In this episode, I talk sports. I talk sports and sexuality and gender, and more specifically, I talk about a specific case, Castor Semenya from South Africa, and how her intersexuality has affected her role in sports. I also have Kirsten talk about nose rings in this week's Kirsten's Corner, and Sierra goes into a deeper dive into gender and sex and that role in sports in this week's Sierra Says. This is the 59th episode of the Cross Yas podcast. So let's get right into it, shall we? Yas! Yas, 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 yas. Cross Yas podcast, which is Elm here, so. Yas! Yas! Yas, 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 yas. Welcome to the Cross Yas podcast. The podcast that still says yas to everything related to cross dressing, sexuality, and gender. My name is Giselle Marisol. I'm a cross-dresser, I'm a sexy beast, and I am the host of this wonderful and inclusive podcast, The Cross Yas Podcast. If you want to know more about me and you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the Cross Yas Podcast website, which is www.crossyaspodcast.com for more information and ways you can help support the podcast. Uh, we also have a Patreon, so if you guys want to help out and contribute a little money, money, and a little something something to the podcast check out patreon.com slash c-r-o-s-s-y-a-a-s where you can get special digital prints uh bonus episodes and even hear my fiance kirsten sing her butt off and lastly if you want to share your own personal story because it's cross-dressing sexuality or gender related and you're wondering hmm can i talk to someone about this about my own story, about my own problems, and all that other stuff. Well, you know me, and you know the answer already. The answer is allowed. Frickin' yes! Reach out to me, email me, DM me, tweet me. Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com. Tweet me at crossyas, or direct message me on Instagram, at crossyaspodcast. Where, you know, I'll get back to you. And I'll answer your questions, and... Help listen and, you know, even share your own personal story on the podcast if you want me to. So, yeah, hit me up there. Shoot, happy September, you guys. Um, doing lots of stuff. Been super busy this week. Uh, the audio might sound a little different um, because this week I'm actually recording from our brand new condo slash townhome slash house. Shoot, there's like no, there's like nothing in here. So it's just me and like some pillows and the microphone and my laptop, just me recording and talking to you guys. So, you know, it's a little something, a little different. But I might rush through this episode because, geez, I'm so busy this week. Been doing new things. You saw that I released an episode on Saturday. I'm changing it up, putting my interviews every other Saturday with a really good one coming up uh, by Chrissy, who's a cross-dresser, demigendered, wonderful individual from Israel. I'm going to release that not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. It's going to be a two-parter just because uh, I'm trying to space it out. I'm, I probably won't do the three-part stuff because I know people kind of get lost in it, but this two-parter sounds like a better idea. So I'll try to aim for uh, all my interviews to be two episodes long, even if it means it's an hour each episode, but we'll see what you guys think. Um, this week, I want to talk about um, something in particular that's related to sports and cross-dressing and uh, sexuality and its gender-related uh, uh, and I'll do that in my next segment. Her name is Castor Semenya, Semenya from South Africa. She won the 800 meter race. I'll go more into that. Um, also have Kirsten in this episode um, talk about nose rings. And finally, you'll hear Sierra go over her own uh, feelings about 
uh, sexuality and gender in sports related to masculinity and femininity and how we, I guess, you know, only honor things that are more masculine and we see men as more powerful. So uh, you'll hear that in her Sierra Says this week. Yeah, so I'll just get right into it. Hope you guys enjoy it. Check out the Patreon for more stuff. Uh, trying to release more stuff every week. Uh, now that we're moving into this house, I'm going to try and do more. V- I'm trying to do video soon, but um, we're still waiting for our furniture. We still have to get the house painted and all this other stuff. So once that happens, uh, I'll get that ball rolling. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned for my uh, main part in this episode, which might be in, isn't it, Avi Yath uh, segment, but we'll see. But I'm going to talk about Caster Semenya and um, the next segment. So stay tuned. Um, and yeah, check out Patreon, guys. Help us out. Help out the podcast if you can. Yeah. But uh, yeah, love you guys. You guys are awesome supporters. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Isn't it obvious? Yes! With sports season back in effect here in the United States, like the NFL, the NBA playoffs, and the NHL, it's crazy to think how it's like a necessary part in our lives. And you know, I love sports, and I, and I always will. I'm like a Dallas Cowboy fan in terms of football, a Laker fan in terms of basketball, and even a Los Angeles Kings fan. And this being 2020, thanks to COVID, we actually missed out on the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. You guys remember that the Olympics actually were supposed to happen this year? Oh yeah, I forgot! Well, I'm a cross-dresser who recently agreed that I fall under the umbrella term that is transgender, and thus the LGBTQ spectrum, which encompasses a lot. So, to my surprise, I only recently learned about an intersex athlete by the name of Magadi Castor Semenya. I think she regularly goes by Castor Semenya. Now, Castor Semenya, or Magadi Castor Semenya, um, this happened recently this week on a clip from Newsroom Africa. Here's the clip. The IAAF has been heavily criticized for its handling of athlete Costa Semenya. Many, including medical and human rights bodies, have slammed the world athletic body's new rules as discriminatory. On Tuesday, Semenya lost her appeal at the Federal Supreme Court of Switzerland against the restriction of naturally occurring testosterone levels in female runners. Now, this decision means Semenya will not be allowed to defend her Olympic title at the next Summer Games. So Castor Semenya lost her appeal at the Federal Supreme Court of Switzerland against the restriction of of naturally occurring testosterone levels in female runners. Now, what is intersex? What is that? Intersex, according to the Intersex Society of North America, intersex is a general term used for a variety of conditions in which a person is born with a reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of female or male. For example, a person might be born appearing to be female on the outside, but having mostly male typical anatomy on the inside. Or a person may be born with genitals that seem to be in between the usual male and female types. For example, a girl may be born with a noticeably large clitoris or lacking a vaginal opening, or a boy may be born with a notably small penis or with a scrotum that is divided so that it has formed more like labia. Or a person may be born with mosaic genetics so that some of her cells have XX chromosomes and some of them have XY. The Intersex Society of North America goes on to say, Though we speak of intersex as an inborn condition, intersex anatomy doesn't always show up at birth. Sometimes a person isn't found to have intersex anatomy until she or he reaches the age of puberty, or finds himself an infertile adult, 
or dies of old age and is autopsied. Some people live and die with intersex anatomy without anyone, including themselves, ever knowing. Well, that sucks. So the condition that Castor Semenya has, which she didn't find out till later until she reached puberty, was she has a condition called hyperandrogenism. So Castor Semenya was assigned female at birth and raised and identifies as a woman. But she is intersex and has XY chromosomes and an exceptionally high testosterone level, which is also known as hyperandrogenism. Because of her hyperandrogenism and other things that she tried to present, which I'll go into in a little bit, she lost her arbitration and is currently unable to defend her title as the 800 meter champion or the Olympic champion that she won in 2016. Now, Castor Semenya, a little more information about her. She's a South African athlete who's openly gay and married to another runner, Violet Raziboya. In July, they had their first baby. And she has been, I guess, criticized for just not acting the way a female's supposed to be. Now, she gained world-renowned fame in 2009 when she became a world champion at the age of 18 when she won the world championships in Berlin in the 800 meter. I talked about it. She also took gold in 2016 in the Rio Olympics. And in 2017, she won and had a new personal best in the world championships. I'm not even mad. That's amazing. (laughs) And she was also awarded in 2011 and 2012, retrospectively, where she was given the gold in the world championships after her competitor, Maria Savinova, was found for taking performance-enhancing drugs. She was basically doping. There's no hope with dope! In April 2018, however, uh, the IAF, uh, which is known as the International Amateur Athletic Federation, or International Association of Athletics Federation, which is now called the World Athletics, announced new differences of sexual development rules that required athletes with specific disorders of sex development, testosterone levels of 5 nanomoles per liter, and above, and certain androgen sensitivity to take medication to lower their testosterone levels, which came into effect in May of last year. This week, in a statement issued on uh, September 8th, the World Athletics, which was formerly known as the IAAF, um, stood by the argument that it was pursuing fairness. They released a statement that said, We therefore welcome today's decision by the Swiss Federal Tribunal to uphold our Disorders of Sexual Development, or DSD, regulations as a legitimate and proportionate means of protecting the right of all female athletes to participate in our sport on fair and meaningful terms. A little more background information on that. So for the last five years, the World Athletics has fought for and defended equal rights and opportunities for all women and girls in our sport today and in the future. The World Athletics say they want fairness and equality, but do they really? Here's some interesting information I also found out. In 2016, in the Rio Olympics, the 800 meter, which uh, Castro Semenya won, uh, the silver and bronze medal winners were Burundi Francine, Neon Saba, and Kenya's Margaret Wambui. Well, both of the, the other two winners were also found to have some form of hyperandrogenism. So they were also born intersex. So there's a lot of criticism on why they put out these why they put out these rules, again, against these women. Last year, according to an article by Gerald Imray in the Associated Press, Semenya uh, testified to the Court of Arbitrations in Sports, or the CAS, about her gender. Uh, she discussed, back in her 2009 win, 
She discussed being subjected to gender verification tests by South African track authorities in the buildup of the 2009 World Championships without being told or understanding the nature of the tests. She was 18 at the time and preparing for her first major competition. Back then, after her breakthrough victory at those World Championships in Berlin, Germany, Semenya said she was taken to a German hospital where the IAAF conducted another gender test on her. Semenya testified that the IAAF did not ask the then teenager if she wanted to undergo the test. It was an order by the IAAF, she said, which I had no choice but to comply with, Semenya testified, according to the CAS documents. She described her first major championships and speculation over her gender as the most profound and humiliating experience of my life. She said her treatment was atrocious and humiliating. Semenya also described a five-year period from 2010 to 2015 where she reluctantly agreed to take testosterone suppressants under a previous version of the IAAF's rules because her career depended on it. But Semenya said the medication caused her to experience significant weight gain and constantly feel sick. This led to regular fevers and caused internal abdominal pain. She said the IAAF, which didn't introduce its first set of testosterone regulations until 2011, used her as a lab rat as it experimented with hormone-reducing medication. See, now that's some bullshit. So think about it. Semenya took these medications and abided by the World Athletics Rules, which again back then was the IAAF, And after feeling like shit, she decided after four years not to take those meds any longer. I mean, she took the meds and complied with the World Athletics and still won in 2011 and 2012. Well, she didn't really win back then, but the Russian runner who was actually doping and beat her back then, um, she was found cheating. So despite that, you would think the World Athletics Foundation would be more receptive and understanding of Semenya. Nope. Actually, in 2019, the Court of Arbitration in Sports, the CAS, their panel found and agreed with the World Athletics regulations that DSD, the Disorders of Sexual Development, regulations are discriminatory, but that on the basis of the evidence submitted by the parties, such discrimination is a necessary, reasonable, and proportionate means of achieving the legitimate objective of ensuring fair competition in female athletics in certain events and protecting the protected class of female athletes in those events. Meaning, well, it means to me, hey, we have to discriminate against people with sexual development disorders to protect female athletes. I'm assuming they mean all female athletes who aren't Castor Semenya. Well, obviously... Here's the thing, at least I think. There's plenty of evidence out there that suggests that testosterone alone may make you stronger and faster, but scientists and researchers suggest more data is needed. More data is needed and warranted. Don't you love that, though? (laughs) Like, more research is warranted? It's like a way for scientists and researchers to kind of cover their ass, right? But it's like what you want in a well-rounded researcher. You don't want someone who can prove something or say something is an absolute. Because if they do do that, then you should probably worry, right? Unless they have, like, overwhelming evidence to prove a point. Like myself, like I don't know all the answers to everything, but I want to present my point by showing it like a vast array of evidence and not just pulling out of my ass, which pulling answers out of my ass, like, I don't know, some say our president of the United States is doing, kind of just saying shit for the hell of it. I don't know. Like he said recently about climate change and how science... I don't think science knows, actually. 
Ugh, what an asshole. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. Um, but here's some actual evidence that I found after researching online. Like, uh, let's start with the Scientific American. Hopefully you guys still like science, and hopefully you guys still like American, but, and hopefully you like American science. An article entitled, Naturally Occurring High Testosterone Shouldn't Keep Female Athletes Out of Competition, which was written by some editors back in 2016, found that high testosterone is not always synonymous with good performance. They also found that some top-level male athletes have testosterone levels that dip into the female range. They go on to say forcing women athletes to bring their natural testosterone down to an acceptable level, an acceptable in quotation marks, is also potentially dangerous. And lastly, they found there is no medical reason for a healthy woman to undergo such treatments. In another article entitled, Serum Androgen Levels in Elite Female Athletes in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, found that there is no evidence that innate hyperandrogenism in elite women athletes confers an advantage in sports, which is what Castro Semenya has, right? She has hyperandrogenism. And the Court of Arbitration in Sports is saying that the opposite, right? That her hyperandrogenism makes her stronger or makes her better or faster. Um, and then lastly, in another article in terms of competitiveness, I found an article that referenced Dr. Bradley Ennewalt. Dr. Bradley Ennewalt is a professor of medicine at the University of Washington, where he conducts research on the effects of testosterone on men, and he takes care of many transgender patients. He actually agreed with them. He actually said in a report by Ennewalt and colleagues, they concluded that although it is not possible to determine whether very high blood concentrations of testosterone that are made not taken by females with DSD or disorders of sexual development confers a competitive advantage in athletic performance compared to cisgendered females without DSD, the indirect data strongly suggests it. Meaning, testosterone does help you gain an advantage. But, Anwalt says, everybody wants science to provide precision. They want to know precisely how much competitive advantage is conferred by testosterone to a trans woman versus a cisgender woman due to lifetime exposure to testosterone, and what persists and what does not. Anwalt goes on to say, the studies cited by the IAAF, or as they're known now, the World Athletics, attempted to quantify exactly how much competitive advantage was attributable to testosterone. However, it cannot be done. It can't be done. Furthermore, science cannot provide a just and fair answer on how to include all individuals who self-identify and want to compete as women in athletic competitions. So, sum it all up. Testosterone does help, but how much does it help you to gain an advantage cannot be scientifically proven. You can't prove that having this amount of testosterone makes you any better as an athlete. And you also can't say that it makes you any less male or female. But you know what can be proven is how great of a runner Castor Semenya is. This whole discrimination is necessary that they cited is, to be honest, bullshit. You don't, you don't just get to say, we get to discriminate to protect a protected class. Like, that's fucking bullshit. She was assigned female at birth, and she presents it as female. She's intersex with chromosomes, hormones, genitals that do not fit the typical definitions for male or female bodies. But just because you have that doesn't mean you're automatically stronger, faster, or a better athlete. <laughs> Testosterone might help, but it doesn't make you a better athlete. It just doesn't. Also, this fascination with what her genitals look like or what her hormones and chromosomes are. It's like, what the fuck? Like, 
that doesn't we don't have any access we shouldn't have access to that we shouldn't be able to i don't know like know that information she's a runner she's female let her do her thing I mean, you heard it. Dr. Anna Walt says, and the countless other sources I've read and found, says we need more data. I mean, we need more research, but from most of the information I've read, it says that testosterone, at least at least that occurs naturally, shouldn't determine whether or not you can compete. Now, performance-enhancing drugs and willfully taking medicines or hormones or things to improve your performance is another story. But that's not what intersex individuals are doing that what the performance-enhancing drugs are doing and the people who take erythropoietin to make more red blood cells, like those people are actively trying to cheat. But people with DSD, and I have a problem, first off, I have a problem with the word disorder of sexual development um, because with the acronym DSD, which stands for Disorders of Sexual Development, because it's not really a disorder, it's just because you, you know, have different genitals or you have different chromosomes doesn't make you have a disorder. You're just different. So I think we should really call it DSD as differences in sexual development. But again, sorry, I digress. This all boils down to understanding the importance of what it means to be different and how you quantify or judge fairness. And I guess really eligibility of an intersex person in competitive sports and in possibly the greatest display of athleticism, the Olympics. Personally, I believe Castro Semenya should be able to run a race with women and defend her title at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. She was born and raised as a woman, and she's competing as such. She's not doping to make herself stronger. If anything, you're, you're making her less strong and weaker to show that, I don't know, I guess she's more of a woman because women are supposed to be weak. I, I, this whole, like, fairness and equality, like, what? What does that have to do with anything? Because women who have too much testosterone are seen as less of a woman. She's not getting a competitive advantage. She was just born that way. And isn't that what the Olympics is? Is We're trying to show how amazing we are as human beings, the power of what the human body can do and without the use of additional help. I mean, here's Castro Semenya, right? She was born the way she was and she's being punished for it and even told to change the way she is because she needs to make herself more equal like than everybody. I don't know. And People like Michael Phelps, which um, I think Sierra will bring up in her, Sierra says, um, he was born with amazing gifts, such as, uh, I think his body doesn't produce as much lactic acid, which allows him to work out longer, and he's also double-jointed, so he can kick farther while he's swimming. But why is he different? Other than, you know, he's a man, and he's also white. I've also heard that there's like, there's also lots of European racism, which I was told plays into this as well. Because, right, like, Castro Semenya is black. She's gay. She acts tomboyish, which doesn't play well with Europeans, is what I've been told and read. Um, so there's that European racism that plays into this. But there's also sex- sexism as well. It's pretty easy to see. But the final ruling on September 8th of this year, according to Norton Rose Fulbright, which is the second largest law firm in the United States and one of the ten largest in the world um, by both lawyers and revenue, um, they said that the Switzerland Supreme Court dismissed Semenya's appeal despite finding that the World Athletics regulations seriously violate Castro's physical integrity because the required hormonal drug intervention is not medically indicated. It also has negative health effects and is not based on the athlete's free consent. So with their whole wanting to protect female athletes, you're not. You're fucking liars. 
Why the fuck you lying? Why, Why you always lying? You're not protecting athletes at all if you're subjecting them to taking medications to suppress their testosterone levels. You're harming them, and you're doing it willingly. And don't use this science to justify the discrimination because it's not there. So now, uh, Castro Semenya will not be able to defend her title based on the fact that she's not willing to comply with their rules. She's not willing to take medications to suppress her testosterone levels, and fuck, she shouldn't have to. Castro Semenya commented recently on the BBC that she, is, she says, I am very disappointed by this ruling, but refuse to let world athletics drug me or stop me from being who I am. Excluding female athletes or endangering our health solely because of our natural abilities put world athletics on the wrong side of history. I will continue to fight for the human rights of female athletes, both on the track and off the track, until we can all run free the way we were born. I know what is right and will do all I can to protect basic human rights for young girls everywhere. Semenya will not be able to defend her title based on the fact she's not willing to comply to their rules. So isn't it obvious to have more information about what testosterone levels do for our body in terms of strength, speed, and stamina? But as many researchers and scientists say, that will be hard or impossible to determine. Um, and isn't it obvious that, that if a person identifies as female and is born a female, uh, even if they're intersex, we should just let them compete. If they're good enough and fast enough and they're not looking to take drugs to make them better or faster, why don't we just let them compete? She's complied with their rules and she's taken their drugs and she's still the best. So I don't know, let her run. So yeah, isn't obvious to let this woman do her thing? Because she's badass for doing this. She's badass for complying with the rules. And I don't know, there's no medical reason for her not to be able to compete. So Castro Semenya, I mean, you're my yas of the week. You're, 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 isn't it obvious that you're, I don't know, should be able to do what you want to do for this. And I think these rules are bullshit. And I think she's a badass for still trying to do it. But maybe in the future, they'll look at this and say like, damn, they should have just let her run. So I don't know. Uh, so Castro Semenya, more power to you, girl. Keep doing your, you. Um, I wish that the cast and the world athletics will just, uh, reconsider so uh yeah that's all and that was this week's isn't it avi yes and stay tuned for sierra says where she'll go even further into the idea of male and female and um the discrimination of uh female athletes and transgender athletes transwomen athletes thanks guys and now it's time for kirsten's corner Uh, in this week's Kirsten's Corner. Kirsten's Corner. I don't. I didn't like that. I'm sorry. Uh, can we talk? Kirsten's about- Corner. No, okay. worse. Okay, go ahead. Uh, can we talk nose rings? Ugh. You said thing. That's what do you want to know about nose rings? Why do people get nose rings? I don't know because they like. <laughs> it's fucked up. I'm looking at you because you got one. Why did you get one? Um. Okay. So I was twenty. Twenty. Is that right? I got it in 2006, so is that 20? Yeah, yeah, I was 20. Yeah, you are 20. So I got it in 2006. Uh, I was in San Francisco, and I wanted to get something pierced, and it's like... Now you're titty in San Francisco? No. I was with my friends from church, so... I mean... I mean, yeah, I'm gonna get my clip pierced, y'all. <laughs> no, I was not gonna do that. Some people do that. 
And Ouch. I know, no, yeah, that's not a problem Ouch. if you want to do that. Anyway, um, and I was like, I could get my lip pierced or I can get my nose pierced. Or, and I thought the nose pierce was a little bit less conspicuous. So I had a little stud mm. and you could barely see it, to be honest. Um, I don't know. It's like a little decoration. I don't know. It looks cool. I still have it uh, 14 years later. Is that right? Yeah. 14 years later, oh, I've never yeah. taken it out or have never felt there was a situation where I shouldn't be wearing it. I recently made the switch to a little hoop. Um, <laughs> don't make fun of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made the switch to a little hoop like uh, a year ago, maybe less than a year ago. Uh-huh. And it really... Guys, I really was debating for a long time because, okay, wait, where do I start? Okay, first off, let's just start off when I first got it. I first got it because I thought it'd be less conspicuous and long lasting because honestly, I, I felt a little bit too old already for the lip ring, even if I wasn't. I just didn't seem like, I didn't seem like a lip ring type of person. Right. <laughs> what kind of person's a lip ring type I don't of know, but I am not that type of person. I don't think I could pull it off is really what the issue mm-hmm. is. Um, because like, even like the little, you know, people had like the Monroe type or like the, like the one Monroe snake, type. you know, the Monroe, which is the, like the one. Like, uh, like it looked like oh. a beauty mark. People used to get that too. Oh, okay, okay. Or you could get the one that's like one half of a snake bite, which is the bottom lip right here. Um, so that's a my chemical romance thing, right? Isn't that a I don't know dashboard? That sounds like a dashboard thing. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, um, I didn't think I could pull it off, right? So my one of my uh good friends, we weren't really that close yet, but I went and she got her eyebrow pierced, which she take took it out. Angie, shout out to Angie. <laughs> she took that that shit out like less than a year later but then i got my nose pierced and i was like oh fuck my mom's gonna be mad so let me tell y'all guys let me tell y'all that i had a little tiny like a fake like a a little diamond like a stud but it was like a diamondy stud but it was you know fake obviously tiny like minuscule and i didn't say anything to my mom about it for like maybe two weeks Uh and then i was like hey mom so what do you think what do you think and i'm like looking at her like what do you think mom like kind of she's like about what think about what and then and then she saw it she's like oh my god oh my god you look it's like it's so trashy you look so trashy i'm like i was like in my mom's like bitch you didn't even fucking see it you didn't even see it you so, pointed at it yeah well i i was like how you know oh you and pointed the, yeah i kind of pointed it. it out and she was like she didn't even see it and then she was so mad oh it's like it's like trash I'm like, oh, my God. And I was like, and then I was like, well, Kelly Clarkson has one. And this is like, what? Two, again, <laughs> 2006. 2006. So she's like, whoa, it's just like trash. And I was just like, oh, wow. my God. So that's so it's so like outdated or just like really. It's well, a really old way of thinking, I feel like what's the piercings. Idea of, yeah. What's the idea? Why is it trashy? Why would your mom say it's trashy? Like, oh, yeah. Like, what? What was that? like trailer park kind of oh, vibes. Yeah, I got it. You know, because, but like, like ta- because like tattoos and piercings are seen as like like that's like a thug person's game. You know what I mean? Is is that still true though? I don't think so, but to to some people, yeah. Like I have like, I don't know if we've talked about tattoos. Have we talked about? We tattoos? have, yeah. So like for I think I've mentioned that like my brother was like flabbergasted that I got visible tattoos because like it's seen oh my god you're gonna have such a hard time finding a job well one i've had i've worked at the same place forever so <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever about that but like 
tattoos are so so normalized now. You know what I depending, mean? Depending, like, well, well yeah, sure, you know, depending, some, but like, depending like, on what? Like how some rappers have that shit on their face. Okay, well, like, okay, I mean, and, I'm not getting face tattoos. But it, would it, would it uh, maybe your mom considered a f- nose piercing as something like? Oh, weird. That's kind of like, you know, why would you do that? Because that's something you see all the time. Yeah. Like, if I look at you, I see that. I I mean, it's also not part of our culture. You Mm. know what I mean? Like, like with, let's say, the Indian culture, that's more normal. Because I think there's a lot of nose rings in that culture. Whatever. Is there? I don't know. But it's not. Yeah. Please don't at me. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, But... I just got it because I thought it would look cool. You know, I'm fucking 20. But I, again, I'm 34 now and I still have it and nobody's complained. And again, I yeah. think my, my mom has noticed I switched to the ring, but she didn't really care. Honestly, okay, okay, guys, now back to this. <laughs> back to this, guys. I, I for a long time, I, I had dabbled, thought about getting the little hoop. You know, but I was like, mm, I don't want to get it. I might look like Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. You know how, like, Dennis Rodman right, has, right. like, all the nose stuff. And I was like, I don't think it could. And then, and that was, like, maybe, that was a while ago before it got cool again. And now people mm-hmm. are, like, all getting, like, those little little the, hoops. Or the, the, what's the bull thing? The. You know, the between the, the septal. Oh, the septal. The septum. Septum. Yeah, septum. The septum piercing. piercing. Yeah. That one looks kind of cool, too. Is it? I, I think know. that looks cool. I could, again definitely not cool enough to pull that off for okay. sure yeah. i you know they have the snapchat filters for it and i i do it i'm like that looks kind of tight but i just couldn't do it like it's it's not something i could like really live with long term huh. but, the nose but i mean you could just take it out but anyway um it does affect your breathing or doesn't notice no. any like no weird no because i guess that's like something i would think about just like oh because you know i don't know if you started like you felt like it go through your nose or something well know. you know honestly when i had the little stud it it was more bothersome it this took a while to get used to too i think it just but now i'm used to it, it doesn't bother me mm. but anyway so i i made the switch to like a little hoop and I, I had to ask like i bought some not cheap ones but i bought them at like a little jewelry store at the mall and then i had like taken pictures of it like and send it to like four friends for like thoughts like what do you guys think and they they said that i could pull it off and i was like sick so i kept it you know what i mean oh okay but they didn't think you could pull off the stud what stud when you got the diamonds oh i mean that was fine too i just wanted to switch it up my brother said it kind of looks like you have like a little bit of dirt on your nose do you ever get concerned that people are just thinking she has some dirt on her nose (laughs) you know yeah would um would you recommend because is that high class ring? I don't is You know how like some is Claire's considered like, oh, wow. No. OK. If you get pierced, don't go to Claire's. Don't go anywhere that has a gun piercing. Those are really unsanitary. Go to like a legit tattoo or a piercing shop. Mm. That's that's my recommendation. If you're getting pierced, I want to get more ear piercings, you know, like um, either two on my lobe or like the higher ones. But ah, I just don't want to sit through the healing process. Was the uh, nose piercing a gender neutral thing? Like men and women can do it, um, or is it something in your opinion you think it's it looks definitely gender a... gender neutral? I've seen men and women, but it's more common for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you feel more feminine because you got it, or it's like, oh no, it's just a... no. I feel like it's not necessarily more feminine. It's definitely a Luke, like L E W K. Look that up, Urban Dictionary. Luke, that that's, yeah. it's definitely like especially since i've switched to the little hoop it's really like a luke you know what i mean could i pull it off no, no. <laughs> because I mean, you don't want me to 
could Giselle pull it off? No, right? It's not your style. Look, can what you kind of sti- you is- dress kind of like hoey? You know, that's... so hoes don't wear. Well, nose not not your type of hoe. You know what I mean? What's the type of hoe that wears like, nose like, rings? Like, I feel like okay. I'm not like I feel like it's an ABG thing can do a nose oh, okay. ring. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a septum. Yeah, thing. I'm thinking more of that. I feel like it's more of like a, I don't know, like an earth. <laughs> no, I don't know, cause like how would you even describe my style? Mm. Boho. <laughs> it's not your style. No, I don't think so. I don't even know what boho is. Yeah, it's I don't like even know what my I, honestly. I am the worst. Like, you tell me, like, what's my song? I don't know. I just, like, worse, worry stuff I like, you know? Would, could, like, is that style? I feel like it fits because, like, for me, it fits because of, like, my hair and my glasses. Like, kind mm. of like that nerdy hipster. But I don't yeah, like the it, word hipster. Yeah, but, yeah that's so you know. dated. Like, a yeah. nose ring, is that for, like, rebellious kids or something? Like is Maybe. Kind of, like, like my brother kid? my brother would never get a tattoo or a Like piercing. a straight edge kind of person wouldn't no get straight it. edge um, no nah, no because there's different types of straight edge too mm. i don't know it's just an interesting like you said luke it's a luke it's definitely a luke you know what i mean but so is the, all the other piercings on your face the eye the the eyebrow piercing. i feel the eyebrows more of a masculine luke for like a girl who's kind of like a trying to get a more masculine vibe and then the lip one, you think is also... That's like considered... a sexy vibe. I don't know. I can't pull it off. You gotta be really confident about yourself to be that type of person. Or like a tongue ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, because like, I remember... Or like, one... girls in high school hella got their belly button pierced. That was really a thing. I just, I don't know. I, I know some people are just scared of piercings. If you could recommend a piercing for someone to start with... I mean, an extra ear piercing. Okay. But for who would you recommend to get a nose piercing? I don't know. Good? If you want it, if you think you like it, just get it. I don't know. And was the process? Did you remember like healed quickly? It or healed it... fairly quickly. Um, getting the piercing itself didn't hurt, but when they transferred the the like the the ring or like the stud from the needle, that hurt. It was like a little yeah. pinch. Well, like for you, when you got your ears pierced, they put the needle in. Yeah, and then they and then the... when they switched it out, it was like ah. Yeah. A little... Yeah. And uh, how much was it? Do you remember? Is I don't it remember. Expensive? I think it was kind of expensive, though. Because you went to a professional place. Yeah, I went to, like, some nice place in Berkeley. Oh, yeah. yeah where my... Uh, um, industrial, more... right? Yeah. How did you know that? That's where did I got my ear piercings. <laughs> in Berkeley. Shout out Berkeley. Shout out yeah. Industrial. That's where my, my friend used to get his tattoos. So do you so you recommend not going to Claire's? Yeah, so don't, just... go to, don't go to, like, a Claire's a or an icing or, like, a... You know, they have to do... They have to do it with a, with a needle, like, not the gun. Mm-hmm. that's my recommendation and would you how old do you recommend someone to get a nose piercing whatever like if, whenever who cares so if your niece went up to you like oh onto your if she you know. was 18 and she, but if she to was get, 13 no hell no she can't have that shit at school oh it's so it's, uh, it's so it's not a nose piercing no oh interesting but isn't that the sign of rebelliousness or whatever yeah but a third i mean like uh, no she can't do that you ha- if you want to be rebellious, like you have to be old enough to be rebellious. You know what I mean? So you guys- well, I mean, if she's asking me, she can't do that shit. I'm not taking her. You know what I mean? Okay. Oh, can you bleep out her name? Sorry. <laughs> if your niece. If my niece did that shit, I'm not taking her. Hell no. Yeah. I'm not taking her to get tattoos either. If she wants to do them, she has to feel that she can go by herself and pay for it. You know what I mean? If uh, I guess what age would be like? What's the appropriate piercings for for a 
ears. Child's ears. Ears and that's it. Yeah. You wouldn't, like, no tongue, no belly button. Because you say well, girls in high school get their belly buttons pierced. Well, it's your choice. You know what I mean? But they're about, they're, they're high school. That's They're under 18. Well, if you can find someone to do it for you, or oh. if you can get your mom to do it or whatever, then yeah. But I actually think my friends in high school were 18 already. Oh, okay. That did it. Okay. But what I'm saying is, and actually maybe not, not the person I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, don't I don't think, think so. That. But, like, for ears, like, my niece didn't get her ears pierced when she was a baby. They're, like, giving letting her make the choice whether or not she wants to get ears pierced. yeah because that shit's gonna hurt it does you know you just bleed a lot your ear piercings i did mine bleed? as a bb oh but your nose piercing did that bleed a lot oh uh, i don't remember no i, I, I just had like a little solution i had to wash it with but no it was fine because it's like just it's it's like a thicker cartilage unlike the ear i feel like will it more... close if you don't put something in it yeah your nose yeah, but again, I've been steady wearing it for four, 16 Don't years. Don't you lose it sometimes? Uh, no, it, it came out, like, no, like, I can, I know when it comes out, like, because I kind of fiddle with it, but it's never just come out and I've lost it. Oh, okay. Huh. I even have, like, my old one. Oh. For I'm I'm saving that for the wedding because I don't think anyone's gonna want me to have a hoop. Oh yeah, would you wear? I'll change it to the little. Do you stud. ever change your nose piercing for like professional things, no. like for meetings or? Nope. I've had I've had this hoop and no one has said a word. No one probably no one notices. Hmm. No one notices. But like the opposite would be true if it's like because it's very subtle, right? It's subtle, like it's. But like a. I change it so right now it's like a kind of rose gold gold type of color, but I remember when we first. We're quarantining. I changed it to black, and nobody noticed either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like a post Malone tattoo on your face. Okay, yeah, that shit's like... that's like your face face. I don't know. <laughs> that's not subtle enough. Yeah, you... like uh, my, nobody noticed until I pointed out. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember. I <laughs> I forgot yeah. you had one. Well, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people forget. Like, like people oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah or like Ka- my friend Kathy always used to make fun of fun of my nose piercing whenever like sometimes i'd take pictures and it's like when i had the little stud like the light would catch it she's like oh look your little nose ring is catching the light i'm like fuck you dude <laughs> like um nice. yeah usually it's not an issue huh i would love to keep this for the wedding but i'm sure people would not be down. why don't you nobody will notice right no well i think i i'll just do the little but if you're wearing a mask diamond. for the wedding does it even matter that no i mean i'm not gonna wear it the whole time for pictures oh, we could take it off all right, well, that's Kirsten's Corner on Nose Rings. Kirsten's Corner. <laughs> uh, that's good. And it's now time for everyone's favorite segment, Sierra Says. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Sierra Says. In this week's segment, I continue the conversation about transgender athletes and in particular look at the role of sexism and misogyny in how trans women are treated in athletics. Along the way, I say nah girl to sexism and unequal treatment of women in sports and yes queen to people who are finding the courage to stand up against misogyny and trans misogyny in sports. And I'm thinking in particular of Lindsay Hecox, a woman from Idaho who is taking a stand against her state's discriminatory law, which we will talk about in just a little while. First of all, though, I wanted to say a couple of quick things about myself. 
If you've listened to any of my recent segments, you've probably noticed that those segments have been pretty heavy on citations of academic articles and and diving into how science and social science in particular views gender. That is because I, I'll reveal it, I'm an academic. I really love taking deep dives into learning more about how the scientific process and the research process can be used to better understand dimensions of life that are so important. And as a researcher and an educator, I always like to try to unpack the broader implications of the things that we're looking at. And in this case, I'd like to turn to a couple of examples illustrating the unique discrimination that women athletes in general, not just trans women athletes, face as a result of the way that gender roles are embedded in the structure and governance of sports. And this is not going to be an academic dive into this, rather this is just how I think about these issues and my interpretations of those broader implications that we can learn from these specific examples. First I'd like to turn back to the case of Castro Semenya. Without repeating many of the details that Giselle has already shared, I've seen some pretty interesting examples comparing her situation to the situations of male athletes who are clearly biologically predisposed to success in their chosen sports. The juxtaposition that really cemented the way that I think about this, I found in a Washington Post column written by columnist Monica Hess, who compared Castro Semenya's biological predisposition to success in her sport to that of Michael Phelps. And it's unquestionable that the media and the public in general celebrated Michael Phelps for all of his predispositions to success in swimming. All of the things about his body physically and all of the things about his genetic makeup and his predisposition for being a fast swimmer are things that were widely celebrated. And we wouldn't think to criticize Michael Phelps for having those advantages, nor would we think to try to exclude him from participating as a result of having those advantages or in any way temper those advantages to, in other words, level the playing field. Castor Semenya, on the other hand, has been subjected to such intense and invasive scrutiny of her hormonal balance, of her sex organs, the kind of scrutiny that I think would make anyone feel very uncomfortable. And why has she faced this scrutiny? Well, of course we know it is because she has biological predispositions that provide an advantage for her in her sport. So to me, this juxtaposition is just so compelling because it so clearly illustrates the differences in how we treat male athletes versus how we treat, as in society, treats female athletes. For similar biological predispositions, one athlete is celebrated and the other is subjected to intense scrutiny to invasive procedures, to even having to alter her body's hormonal balance to be allowed to participate in her sport. So this all just raises so many questions, such as for people who have advantages in sport as a result of biological predisposition or hormonal differences, how do we deal with that? Do we tell them they can't participate in the sport at which they are naturally excelling? And where do we draw that line in terms of who qualifies to participate? Is there a standard that we set for how male or how female a person has to be to participate in their sport? It implies such a black and white understanding of sex and gender. 
And let's also remember that we are inherently talking about an exceptional group of people in this case. We are talking about elite athletes, many of whom just naturally have predispositions to succeed in their chosen sport that have given them the advantages necessary to rise to those upper echelons of competition in their chosen sports. And to me, underlying all of this is a misogynistic implication that in a broader sense, male athletes are superior to female athletes, and that women's athletics needs to be in some way protected from men trying to gain advantage by infiltrating women's sports. And that, frankly, is something that just does not happen. Castor Semenya, for example, was assigned female at birth, and she has been living as a woman her entire life. So she, of course, is not some foot soldier in a grand conspiracy to take over women's sports. She is just trying to participate in a sport at which she naturally excels. This rhetoric of quote-unquote protecting women's sports and maintaining its integrity reminds me so much of rhetoric that we see in American politics and society in general. It reminds me a lot of the discourse on immigration right now, wherein we see members of the Trump administration, for example, invoking the idea of protecting American jobs and protecting the American labor market as a justification for reducing immigration. And in that case, of course, we know what it's all about. It is a front of invoking fairness and invoking protection in order to justify racism. Just as in this case, to me at least, it feels like invoking the idea of fairness in women's sports to justify misogyny and transphobia. A specific example of this as it applies to women athletes is a law that was recently enacted in the state of Idaho. The Fairness in Women's Sports Act was signed into law by Governor Brad Little of Idaho on March 30th of this year, which probably not coincidentally is the day before the International Transgender Day of Visibility. This law not only requires that people participate in sports corresponding to the gender that they were assigned at birth, but it furthermore provides a mechanism for competitors to challenge the biological sex of any competitor in women's sports. And then participants in women's sports are required to provide proof of their sex in order to participate in that sport. And there are several different types of proof that are allowed according to this law. One is a genetic test revealing chromosomes. One is a physical examination of genitalia by a doctor. And then another is a test confirming natural hormone levels corresponding to a person's sex assigned at birth. So in addition to being overtly transphobic, I would argue that this law is extremely misogynistic as well, as it places a really, truly invasive burden upon women athletes who are challenged by other athletes in terms of proving their biological sex. If I simply try to put myself in the shoes of an athlete in the state of Idaho whose sex is challenged by a competitor and then having to face the potentially humiliating process of having my body examined by a doctor in response to that challenge, it's it's a horrifying thought, really, and reflects yet another, let's just be completely honest here, attempt of conservative, mostly white men to police women's bodies. Yet fortunately right now, I'm happy to say that this law is on hold due to ongoing legal challenges. 
And my Yas Queen this week goes to one of the plaintiffs seeking to have this law overturned on constitutional grounds. And that person in particular who deserves recognition is Lindsay Hecox, an athlete at Boise State University who is fighting for the right to participate in her school's cross-country team. And this legal challenge, which is being supported by the American Civil Liberties Union, also has an additional plaintiff, a 17-year-old cisgendered girl from Idaho who feels that this process and the burden placed upon women athletes as a result of having to endure these challenges and the resulting confirmation of sex tests that would be required is unduly invasive, burdensome, misogynistic, and basically unconstitutional. So far, their lawsuit has been meeting with some success. As I mentioned, a judge has put the law's implementation on hold for the time being, pending further legal action. And in some ways, this comes at a good time because the Supreme Court ruling of Bostock versus Clayton County took a very broad view of sex discrimination, allowing it to refer to discrimination on the basis of gender identity. So that is possibly a favorable indication for the potential of this lawsuit to succeed in overturning that law in Idaho. So once again, yes, Queen to Lindsay Hecox and all of the other people taking a courageous stand against this law in Idaho, and nah, girl, to sexism and unequal treatment of women in sports. And that's how Sierra sees it. And finally, the miscellany. Yes! And that's it for this week's episode, guys, where you heard me talk about Castor Semenya, you heard uh, Kirsten talk a little bit about nose rings, and Sierra, where she talked about trans women and trans athletes in this week's Sierra Says. Thanks for the support, guys. Nothing really to add here. No real changes um, other than every other Saturday, like we're doing the whole interview thing, um, adding interviews and uh, having my chats with people in my curious conversations with Giselle. Also still have the question of the month. What do you guys like to shop? Email me, text me, or email me, DM me, or tweet at me your answer. And uh, check out Patreon for all the bonus stuff. Trying to still move in, trying to see when we can roll out these videos and whatnot, these Instagram lives and these videos. But looking forward to your guys' support. Again, wouldn't be here without you guys. Yeah, again, hopefully we'll have more stuff in here so the audio doesn't sound as crazy. But um, thank you guys for everything, you guys. Uh, You guys are awesome. Enjoy the rest of your September. Stay cool. It's still hot out there. Still, fires are kind of still raging in the West Coast, but trying our best uh, to keep surviving. You guys are amazing. I uh, love you guys. Uh, and thanks. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. Thank you.